Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Lake Point Church. Would you stand and sing with us today? We're so glad you're here.
We're so glad that you're here today. My name is Tom. I'm one of the pastors, and I have so much joy. You know that you are in a room full of people who have been completely changed by Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. So, listen... Today, you're going to see some things. You might see people who are clapping. You might see people who are smiling. You might see some people who are just trying to get caffeinated, and we have grace, okay? So it's just whatever you've got to do, but for whatever it is, we have joy in our hearts today. When you first walked in, I hope that you got a program from one of our amazing volunteers because inside of that program is something called a connection card. And in that connection card, if you could fill one of those out for us, drop it off in one of the baskets. It doesn't matter if you've been coming here for the last 10 years or the last 10 seconds. We would love it if you'd fill one of those out because it's a great way to get connected here at Lake Point. And it's a great way for us to be able to know how we can pray for you. We'd love to pray for you. That'd be our honor. We are in the midst of a series called Surviving the Storm, and I got to tell you that through Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors, and part of our job is that we love to worship him. We don't just sing, we worship. That means to magnify the Lord with me. We want to make much of Jesus in this time together, and we invite you to do that. And we're going to sing a song that if you listen to uh, K-Love or any kind of Christian radio or if you're on Spotify or Apple Music, this song shows up a lot, and it's called Survivor. So we're hoping that you're going to enjoy it, sing it with us, and I'm going to give you a pro tip. I don't know if you know how to play guitar. Air guitars are welcome in this church, okay? But the other thing is when I'm trying to teach worship leaders how to sing a song, you know what I tell them? Like, you need a little stank on your face while you're doing it, okay? Like, like when if you... There's a great theological movie. It's called Rocky Three, okay? And, okay, I mean, I mean, if that movie doesn't pump you up, I mean, then, like, there's great versions of therapy that'll just help you enjoy a good Rocky movie. And what Apollo Creed is trying to teach Rocky is the eye of the tiger, okay? And he, like, gets this, like, snarl in his lip that Mickey taught him how to have. And for me, when I am singing a song of hope, I want people to know that I am showing up with confidence and boldness like I'm trying to lovingly kick evil in the face. So for us, when we sing that I'm a survivor, but God is my fighter, okay? And we're going to sing that together. Let me pray for you. We're going to get going. It's, it's a good song. Jesus, we love you. We trust you. And we ask you that you would speak to us today that we survive because you are the author of life. So long I carried the weight of my past Crippled by burdens like stones on my back I thought I had fallen too far from your grace But you came and showed me the way When I was a lost soul searching You were the ground beneath my feet When I was a blind man begging You were the eyes so I could see When the smoke was rising up so I could breathe. You gave me hope. You gave me something to believe. Now I'm alive and born again. Rescued from the grip of sin. And God, your love came crashing in and pulled me out of the fire. I'm a I found 
dancing on my knees You gave me hope, you gave me something to believe Now I'm alive and born again Rescue from the grave of sin Got your love, you crashing in And pull me out of the fire I'm a survivor Oh, I'm a survivor You're my God And you're
you that today you would speak to us through our pastor and mostly through your scriptures and through you, Holy Spirit. Would you take ownership of our thoughts and our words today? Would you fill our pastor now with grace and with truth in your word? And may you be with us. May we have ears to hear and may we obey you further. And it's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. So glad that you're here today. And what an awesome time of worship today. And I was thinking with that song that we just sang, what a wonderful working God. A friend yesterday lives in Texas. He touched me yesterday in the middle of the day. And um, he says, Scott, please pray for my girlfriend's mom. She's not going to make it. And her family's been called. We're all coming to the hospital. And, and I said, that's what we're praying. And, and, and then a half hour later, he just touched me back and he said, Scott, the, the craziest thing happened, but she, she's fine. She's gonna, doctors are confused by this. And I'm like, I, I know what happened because we have a wonder working God. And, 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 and so God is on the move, whether you know it or not. And I, I think today's message might help you with that. And as we kind of, kind of, kind of think about some of these things that God is doing, but we absolutely serve a wonder-working, awesome God in our lives. Hey, well, thank you for being here. If this, is your, if this is your first time here, my name is Pastor Scott, and, and uh, thank you for coming. We have a full house here, just a little bit over here, got some room over here. Y'all heavy over here. It's just like it's out of balance. So if I start walking over here a lot today, it's your fault, okay? Because I, I'm just, you know, uh, it's all good, though. It's all good. <laughs> and, uh, but, man, this is a good crowd, and uh, thank you for being here. We had a good first service. And, um, and uh, if you came, you should, as you came in, you should have received a program. And inside the program is a connection card. And we actually take a minute, fill that card out, of all of us, if you can, I love for all of us. You know, if you're a regular attendant, put your name on the on the front. There might be some things on the back, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. And um, but if you're first time, let's get to know you a little bit more. So just fill that out. Let us know who you are, and then at the end of the service, you can drop it in one of our offering plates, and we call them baskets, offering baskets, and uh, throughout the building. And uh, you can just drop it some in the hallway, some in the back here, and you can drop it, or you can give it to me after the service. And I'd love to meet you. Got a free gift, that, a, a free gift, a bag that we'd like to give you. And I thank you for coming today. 
And, um, and so I've got a couple of quick housekeeping here that I want to just accomplish before we get into the message. So if you can just kind of, you know, get my housekeeping thing on. First of all, I want to say thank you. Um, I know this month is the Pastor's Appreciation Month, and, um, and that's not because Facebook says so. You guys just do it, and that's just awesome. So thank you for that. So, so, so honored. Last Sunday at the end of the services, um, you know, uh, we were, uh, me and the staff and our family were, were honored, and um, some of you have just said words of appreciation. Some of you have emailed me, and, um, you know, some, some of you uh, drop a card in a box, and uh, so from the bottom of my heart, uh, thank you, and, uh, and I really feel the love, and uh, like I said, it's an honor to pastor and to serve you, um, and we, we can't think of anything else that we would rather do than to do this here at Lake Point Church in Shelby Township. And so that, that's the first thing. I just want to get that, just stay that up front. And, uh, and the second thing, um, uh, we've got a couple of things happening. We've got ladies' Christmas dinner. Which, uh, it's $40 right now, a ticket. And, and by the way, this is one of the biggest, this is the biggest premier ladies' event at Lake Point. And, and maybe, you know, in Shelby Township, period. I mean, this is huge. This thing started with a few ladies at a few tables, and now we, it was so big that we are now renting Shelby Garden, and, you know, just down the road. And, um, and so ticket goes, on, you know, goes up $50, $10, from $40 to $50 after tomorrow. So um, starting November 1st, and then, and then you have two weeks to get your tickets after that. So time, you know, I know Christmas is not on our mind. We're thinking Thanksgiving. No, I, it's right after Thanksgiving, so this is happening really quick. So make sure... You see the information in the program on how to get your ticket. All that's spelled out for you. And so, you know, jump on it. A lot of you bought tickets, and it's going to sell out. I think it will. It's going to sell out. We have over 200. We have room for 250 ladies that attend this event. And so make sure you jump in and be a part of that coming up. And then men's, we got something for the men's, okay? We got men's barbecue. That's in a couple of weeks. You get your ticket out there, $15. And, um... And, and, and it'll be great. We've got uh, barbecue. And that, that's always great. You know, it's, it's, a win. it's a win for me. It should be a win for you. But I've got great barbecue. And then I had this idea. And, you know, not every idea that, you're, that I say is a great idea. In fact, this is probably the stupidest idea I've ever said. And I said it to Tom, and then Tom just ran off with it. But we're doing something called truth or dare. But instead of the dare part, truth or um, burn. And, and we start with the easy, low-end barbecue, uh, not barbecue, hot sauce. <laughs> and, and, and it's not for all the men. It could be me and Tom and one other person. I don't know who that's going to be. And I volunteered myself. It's a stupid idea. And the, and the last, you know, there's like five levels of burn. One, the last one is called the last dab. And it's like, you know, you don't want to do this, you know, unless you're crazy. And, and so I'm crazy, but we're going to be doing this thing. And uh, they're going to be asking me questions. You know, like, um, who's my favorite kid? And, you know, can't answer that question. So I'm going to have to eat the hot sauce, you know. And so that's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks. So guys, get your ticket. See me suffer and, and uh, my stupid idea, and it'll be great. Okay, so that's in a couple of weeks. But here's the, here's the last housekeeping before we get going. I know there's a lot here. I don't usually like to load up with announcements up front, but I um, just want to do this. Um, starting in two weeks, we're going to make a shift in our two service times. Two service times are going to change. So we have right now a 9 o'clock service, and we have 
Right now, you're at the 1030 service. We're going to bump it up 30 minutes. We're going to move to 9 to 930, and we're going to move to 1030 to 11 o'clock. So we're going to have 11 o'clock service here. And, um, and, here's, and here's what will happen. If you can see, we've got a lot of people in here. We've got more room in the first service. We have family that said, man, I can come to the first service if it was just a little bit later. And we've got to make that happen. We are packing out. If you walk back in the kids' room today, it's, it, it's crazy. There's a lot happening there, and we like to make that shift. We've got room to shift. And we're not asking for everybody to shift. They'll not cause another problem. So we're not asking for that. But what, here's what we're praying for. If we're praying for about 25, 30 people to make a shift, to make a shift, and say, you know what, 11 o'clock is too late, but you know 9.30 doesn't sound as bad as it does at 9 o'clock, and so we're going to do that starting November 13th, okay? And so that's in two weeks. Not doing it next Sunday, because next Sunday is time change Sunday anyway. I didn't want to add a time change to a time change Sunday. It's too much confusion, okay? And so in two weeks, November 13th, and, uh, and if you forget about it, that's okay. You just come to church 30 minutes early, all right? And if you're all good, you can help make the coffee, all right? And so it'll be a great time. And uh, so help us out with that. And um, if you can, let us know on the back of your connection card. This will help us. And um, this will help us if you're making a switch. I know who attends. I know if you're in this service, you know, if you tell me you're coming at 930, that'll help us. But we're praying for 30 people to make this trip. And so on the back of the card, it says, I plan to attend at 930. Oh, I plan to attend the 11. If you plan to attend the 11, great. We need you at 11. We need about 25, 30 people. The author said, hey, you know, I'm going to move over. And, and that's awesome. And listen, the sermon is just as good. The worship is just as good as the first service. The coffee, the coffee's even better in the first service than the second service. All right, so I'm just saying. So check it out and uh, be a part of that. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. All right. Housekeeping done. Let's get into the message, all right? We are in a series uh, called Surviving the Storm. Surviving the Storm. We're looking at different storms in the Bible. Week chapter one, uh, week chapter one. Week number one, <laughs> week number one, uh, we look at a storm on the Sea of Galilee where Jesus took a nap on a boat. And we learned that Jesus is in the middle of all of our storms. He's in control of it all. And uh, we look at that little storm that took place. Last week, we talked about a storm that Jesus referred to in a the, the, the famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of it, he talked about the wise man and the foolish man, the wise builder and the foolish builder. How they, one guy, the wise guy, you know, he built his house on the, on the rock. The foolish guy built his house in, you know, on the sand. And, uh, and, and basically, the comparison is, you know, if you're, if you're going to live the Christian life on a firm foundation that you know God's word, but you do what God's word says. You know, and, and the foolish man, he knows God's word, but he doesn't live by it. And, and so we talk about, you know, if you're going to weather the storms of life, you, you need to be in the word and need to be doing the word if you want to weather the storms of life. And that's a powerful message from last week, a powerful thought, and so important because I've seen so many people with their faith shattered because they're not in the word. They're not growing. They're not being discipled. And, and the weakest, the faith is weak. And, and, and so firm foundation that was last week. Today, I want to look at the biggest storm of all time, the most epic storm of all time. And a, a storm so big that it did not stop storming for 40 days. 
It wasn't a nice little drizzle. You know, it wasn't a little pitter-patter, garden-type rain. I mean, it dumped, it poured, and it rained hard for 40 days. It rained so hard that after 40 days, the storm caused a worldwide flood. Not a little flood, but a flood that covers the entire world that reaches the highest mountain in the world. That's how hard the storm was. And we know the story. If you've been in, in, in uh, you know, if you grew up in church, if you went to Sunday school, you saw this story, you know, it was one of those stories that was put on a flannel graph. How I many of you remember the flannel graph days, okay? The big old felt board, and you got little, you know, wimpy little, you know, and you put an ark up there. That was that kind of a story. The story of Noah and the ark. Noah and the ark. You know, I, I get from time to time, I get emails from you. And listen, it's not a personal email, it's one of those forward emails. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You get the forward email, you know, and sometimes it says, it's a, when you pass it down to five people and you'll get God's blessing, he'll answer your prayers. If it's a, you know, by the way, it's not true, okay? Um, and if, I, if it were true, I'd be doing that every day for everybody, for all of us, okay? And so, um, but you get the forward emails. And, and one day I got the email that, that were, there were 17 lessons uh, that we can learn from Noah's Ark. And I'm not gonna read all 17 because that would be the whole time. But I'm gonna give it five of my favorite lessons from this forward email from one of you. Thank you very much. Because I read all your emails. All right, number one, first lesson, got a plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. All right, good. Number two, you got to stay fit because when you're 600 years old like Noah, someone might ask you to do something really big. All right, good. Number three, the third lesson from this email, and I like this one. Remember that the, that the woodpeckers inside are often a bigger threat than the storm outside. So, bad woodpeckers. Number four, when the doo-doo, you're allowed to say doo-doo in church, right? When the doo-doo gets really deep, don't sit there and complain, got a shovel. You all know what I'm talking about. Okay, good. Number five, no matter how bad it looks, there's always, always a rainbow on the other side. And so, hey, the story of Noah and the ark is one of the oldest and most well-known stories in the Bible. In fact, it's one of the most well-known stories in history. Many cultures talk about a flood. It's interesting to see that. When you look back into those ancient history and the different cultures, they talk about a flood and it's universal. This is an amazing, incredible story, but it's also a very disturbing story. In our day and time, we have a tendency, right, to focus on the sweet, furry animals, you know, coming two by two, walking into the ark. No, we like to talk about the, the animals. We like to talk about the rainbow. But we forget that as a result of the flood, every human being, except for eight, died from this worldwide destruction. So this story is so much more than a baby room decoration. So what can we learn from this story? 
What, what, are, what is it that I'm hoping we can learn from? What are, what are some lessons that we can glean from the storm that Noah went through, this epic storm? Because the truth and the reality is that every one of us, right, we're either going into a storm, we're about to go into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're walking out of a storm. We're all prone to storms. There's no exemption in all of us. We all go through storms of life. And so how can we grow in our walk with God in the middle of, of storms that we go through in our lives? Now, when you look at the life of Noah, when you look at that time period, it was a very bad time, wicked time. Now, sometimes we like to look back in days gone by and we call those days the good old days. Now, for me, the good old days was the, what the 80s. How many of you can, how many of you can relate to me? I mean, the 80s. Come on. You can't, get, you can't go wrong with the 80s. Now, some of you, the good old days is the 70s. And there's so much wrong with the 70s. I mean, I, mean, I see the bell bottoms. I see the big old, you know, you know collar that looks like you could flap and you could fly. I mean, it's that, you know, you got the big old sideburns that comes all the way down here. You know, and, and uh, I, I don't know. But then you got the 60s and 50s. How many of you got the 50s and 50s? You know, those were the good old days, right? Good old days. You say, oh, yeah, I remember the 60s and 50s where everything was just perfect. Everything was just right. But, you know, when, the more you talk about the good old days, if we're honest, they weren't so great in some ways. Remember when TV didn't have a remote control? I was the remote control. <laughs> How many you know what I'm talking about? You know, son, go change the channel. Well, okay, Dad. You know, walk right across, you know, flip it. Is that it? Nope. You know, flip it. By the way, it's nothing. You got to bend over, you know, flip it, you know, and you keep going, and you keep going, and you keep going, and you can't make up his mind and say, all right, go the other way. You go back, go back, go back, go back. It's all, hey, hey, you know, son, I like that channel. Once you fit that channel, you got to kind of wiggle it, wiggle that dial between channel two and channel three, just right, so that you can get the perfect reception. You know what I'm talking about? Am I just talking dumb stuff here? Okay, okay, good, good. All right, and, and, and then you walk back, and, and then your dad said, son, I can't hear. You know, and of course, I'm seven years old. It's no big deal, and I'll turn it up, you know, and I was the remote control. The good old days, yeah. Remember when we had a phone? It was connected to a wire on a wall. That's right, you play jump rope with it, right? <laughs> How many of you knock over a, a glass of milk while you're on the phone? Yeah, you know, that happened a lot. Remember when you went to Kmart? Remember when we had a Kmart? <laughs> but then you went to Kmart, and they actually had a blue light <laughs> for the blue light special. I mean, it's good old days right here. You know, the truth of the matter is, when you look back at the days of Noah, it wasn't the good old days. These days were the most evil time that the Bible has ever described. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 6, and verse number 5. The Bible said that the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart which is pure evil 
all the time. And the Bible said that the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. And his heart was deeply troubled. And the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. I mean, this was not the good old days. A wicked generation, no law, no constraint, no, no love, pure evil. But then the Bible says in verse number eight, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I want you to underline that word if, you, if you're able to, in your, either in your Bible or on your handout notes. But underline that word favor. You see, in the middle of wickedness, in the middle of darkness, there was good news. God found favor. God found another word for favor, the word grace. In fact, this is the very, very first time in the Bible that we have the word grace. God found grace in the eyes of Noah. God found him to find grace with him. Grace means unconditional love, unmerited favor. God given you and I what we don't deserve. Now God found grace, God found favor in Noah, and Noah believed in God. Here's what I know, no matter how Big the storm is. You can always, always find grace in the middle of it. No matter what storm you're going through, you can always find the grace of God. And God can use that storm to grow your life. In fact, if we can change our perspective. Oftentimes, when we see a storm in our life, we see the storm as an enemy. But what if we change our perspective to see the storm as an opportunity? An opportunity for God to grow some things in your life. Y'all with me? What if, what if we saw the next storm, the next trial, the next layoff, the next heartache, the next pandemic? What, what if we saw that not as the enemy? What if we saw it as an opportunity? Noah saw the storm and was motivated by four things to grow in. And I hope that we see these four things in every storm. We see these four things grow in our lives. Here's the first one if you're taking note. Noah was motivated by obedience. He was motivated by obedience. Everything 
And I'm talking about every detail about building this ark was just pure obedience. No, no one didn't even know what God was about to do. He knew God was going to destroy the world, but he didn't even know what that looked like. But because God said to do it, Noah did what God told him to do. In, in, in verse number 13 to 16, God told Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. And so make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. You're going to make a roof for it. You're going to leave below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark. Make lower, middle, and upper decks. So God gives Noah this incredible project. And in this project, he allowed Noah to have an experience, a spiritual experience of obedience. Every foot of width, every foot of length, every foot of height was obedient to God. And Noah had to be thinking, God, I don't know, what, what, what am I doing here? Now, what is going to happen? And he's building this big old boat. Now, how many have been on a cruise ship before? Okay, I've been on a cruise ship twice. You know, my wife and I went on one on our honeymoon, and then, and then we went again a few years later, and uh, we didn't live too far from Mobile, Alabama, and that was a port, um, um, uh, right after um, Hurricane Katrina. They, that used to be the port, New Orleans, but because New Orleans was wiped out, they moved over to Mobile. And so we went to Mobile, Alabama, which was only an hour from our house, and uh, drove over there and, and went on a five-day cruise, you know, the carnival cruise. I mean, a, a honeymoon cruise, you know, that boat is now somewhere in the bottom of the ocean. It don't even exist no more. You know, that company bankrupt. It was terrible. It was a bad, it was a bad experience, you know. And uh, I owe Karen an, uh, another honeymoon because that was a disaster. <laughs> but the carnival, hey, the carnival cruise, that was a step up. I mean, you know, for us, hey, this is great. And uh, we went and... And uh, we got on the USS Holiday. That's right, the Holiday. And, uh, and, and, and so we get on there, they had in the, the pool. I mean, it was nice, you know, it's a little water slide. You know, all-you-can-eat pizza buffet, 24 hours. was great. And then one night, one night in the, on, the, in our, on our cruise, it's it, uh, it, the most important event of the whole thing. It's at midnight. It's the dessert bar, the dessert buffet. <laughs> and it starts at midnight. And it's usually toward the end. And, and, and I tell Karen, and I said, Karen, we're going to go on the cruise, right? And she said, uh, we're going we're to go to the dessert buffet. And she Karen's like, no, I'm too tired. I'm not going to wait till midnight. But Karen, this is, this is so, I mean, we've got to do this. It's just, God, you should go ahead and do it by yourself. And that was her worst mistake. <laughs> she let me go by myself. 
I mean, she goes to bed at 10 o'clock, and I said, okay, I'll see you later, because I'm going to do the party thing at the dessert buffet, all you can eat. And I showed up there. I, hey, I made sure I got there early enough, because I wanted to be first in line. And, uh, and I was there waiting and waiting and waiting at midnight. And I, I remember, you know, can't don't remember, you don't know this, but, you know, they, they, got, they were late opening. I was a little desperate here, like 12.15, 12.20. Come on, you know, can we not get this one thing, the most important thing done right? And finally, they opened the door, and it was like walking into chocolate, Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka chocolate factory. I mean, it was just, oh, man. Ice sculpture, you know. I, I think there was a chocolate river in there. I don't know. I, I just, man, this was, this was it. And because Karen wasn't with me, I had no rules, <laughs> no restraints. I mean, she wasn't there with me. She was just a one plate, Scott, just one little plate. But, you know, it was all you can eat. Man, it was an experience like no other. You know, this cruise ship, this ark, was nothing, nothing like the USS Holiday. In fact, there was no depth to walk on and play shuffleboard. There was no dessert buffet. There was no all-you-can-eat pizza. There was no swimming pool. I mean, this was a pretty, you know, a big giant box of a boat. God told Noah to put in one door just one, one way in and one way out. And it's the most important part of the, whole, of the whole thing, the entrance. You know, when I think about our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is, you know, the ark is a picture of our Savior. He is our refuge. He's our ultimate shelter. There's only one way in to Jesus. There's one door to Jesus. There's one door to a relationship with God, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. And so God gives Noah the plan, and we see Noah building the ark exactly the way God told him to. Look at verse 22. Noah did everything just as God commanded. That, that's a dream of my life. Noah did everything just as God commanded. And I'd have to get there someday. And I'd have to do it with everything. Complete obedience, just as. I mean, this is that obedience. Uh, uh, what, a, what an incredible, incredible obedience. You know, the ark took Noah a hundred and 20 years to build. I mean, there was no supply chain. There was no hardware store to buy the lumber. He had to find the tree. He had to cut the tree. He, there was no, there was no, uh, he didn't have a group of people that he hired. It was just him and his three sons. 120 years. I mean, at some point, some of us probably would have quit halfway through. So, man, this is, this is getting way too big, way too hard. For what end? And everyone, everybody in the town watching this was just giving Noah and his family a hard time. But Noah was motivated to be obedient. And see, there are days in my life when the only thing that motivates me is to serve God and to obey him, even when I don't feel like it, even when everybody's telling me, I'm doing a terrible job or no one's telling me that I'm doing a great job. It, it, 
hard. There are days like that in all of our lives. There are days when the only motivation is obedience to the one who loves us the most. I trust him more than I trust myself. And Noah, that's what he had. That's what he did. And in the middle of the storm, we're challenged to obey God, even when it doesn't make sense. Noah, number two, was motivated by trust. He was motivated by trust. You see, Noah was motivated to obey God to build the ark. Now we see that Noah was motivated to trust God as he entered into the ark. He took his obedience and applied it by trusting God. Look at chapter 7, verse 1. The Lord said to Noah, go into the ark. Go in the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. And then we see in the following verses, God plan, God's direction to Noah how to get all the animals on the board. And then in verse 15, after Noah and his family and all the animals got on the ark, the Bible says that God closed the door. Not, not Noah. Noah didn't close the door, but God did. And that's trust. Trust is when you allow God to shut a door in your life because you trust him. You allow God to shut the door. I don't know about you, but I like to have my options open. You know, I like to have plan B and plan C just in case plan A doesn't work. I remember when we moved up here to, to start a church, the start late point, Karen and I, I, I Karen, someone asked me, what, what if it doesn't work out? And I look at him and say, I don't know. I don't have a plan B. I said, well, you, you should think about having a plan B. And I said, no, if God is telling us to do plan A, we're going to stick with plan A. And we're going to trust God. It's easier said than done, people. <laughs> it's easier said than done. Don't look at me and say, well, God, you got it all put together. No. There were times where we feel like, man, God, this is not happening. But we just kept trusting in God. Trust. God shut the door. You know what happened? We're going to take the time to read this, but if you read the scripture, but what happened here is when God shut the door, after God shut the door, nothing happened for seven days. Nothing happened for seven long days. Think about Noah. God, Noah's probably thinking, God, what am I doing here? You, you said you were going to do this. You promised this was going to happen, and you shut the door. I didn't shut it. You shut it, and then there's nothing. Zero. It was a long, awkward pause. Seven-day long pause. And I don't know why God waited seven days. I don't know if he was giving people an opportunity outside the boat to repent. I don't know if God was doing something in Noah's heart. I don't know why seven days, but God did. And I don't know why God wasted my life sometimes. Right? He does that. Some of you right now, you're in that seven-day waiting period, and you're wondering right now, what in the world are you doing, God? What has happened? I've done everything you've asked me to do. I've obeyed everything just as. I have trust you. I have stepped out in faith, and now nothing's happening. I've got no plan B, God. I've got no plan C. I'm doing what you're telling me to do, and nothing's happening. Some of you right now, you're in the middle of that seven-day waiting period, that seven-day waiting season, whatever that looks like. 
And I'm sure Noah had to feel that way, but he kept coming back to trust and obedience. And here's a good definition of the word trust. If you're taking note, trust is when God is working, even when we don't see it, even when we don't hear him, even when we don't feel it. Trust says, you know what, God? You're doing something. You're working. I may not sense it, but you're working. The rain hasn't started yet. What he said hasn't happened yet. But God was preparing it to happen. And then it did in his timing. It's all about God's timing. And after seven days, the Bible said that it rained, and it rained, and it rained. And one of the things that a storm does in our lives is help us to grow our trust in him. When we see the storms of life, is that an opportunity for you to grow your trust? I said, God, I understand what we're doing here, but God, I'm going to keep trusting in you. God, I've, I've lost my job. I'm going to keep trusting in you. God, I'm going through a, a difficult time in, my, in a relationship. I'm going to keep trusting in you. Look at the third thing. Oh, Noah, I love this. He was motivated by faithfulness. He was motivated to faithfulness. So you obey God while building the ark. He trusts God as he enters into the ark. Now he's faithful while he was on the ark. Noah, a lot of times we wouldn't think about Noah, how long he was on the boat. A lot of us, you know, the first number that comes to mind is 40. It rained for 40 days. If we want to do the math a little bit, and we're going to do a little bit of math. Can you, can you all handle a little adding? We'll do some adding, okay? Y'all good? Adding? Right. How many of you love adding? All right, so, um, yeah, he went on the boat on the 17th day of the second month. He got off the boat. He got off the boat on the 27th day of the second month, the following year. All right, the lunar calendar, I know our Roman calendar said there's 365 days, but in, in this time period, you know, when this was written, the lunar calendar is around 355 some will argue 360 days. So there's some argument on how, how many days in a lunar calendar. So, you know, let's just go with 350. We add 10 because, um, you know, they were, um, you know, 10 days after a year. So that's 370. And, um, and, and so there was also that seven days, you know, there were some other factors in there. So the, the, the commentators have read 370 377 days. That kind of put me in the middle. The easy number to remember, memorize. 375 days, okay? Give or take. Noah was on the ark for 375 days. That's a long time, isn't it? On a boat, on a floating zoo. Uh, how many of you remember 2020? We were sheltered in a ark called Our House. What about you? All of us. You didn't go anywhere. You were going to go to school. You were going to go to work. Let me ask you, you know, to try, try to put things in perspective a little bit. But did, did, during the 2020 year, I've seen so many Christians, this was an opportunity. This started as an opportunity to obey, to trust to stay faithful. Noah, Noah, listen, Noah is faithful. 
for 375 days. I, I, how many of you have been to the Detroit Zoo in the old penguin house? You walk in, what was the first thing you noticed? The smell. I mean, it's just, it's just rock your world. It's like, oh my goodness, we're gonna go see penguins. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I wanna see the penguins, but I don't wanna see the penguins. It's that kind of a smell. You know, and then you can kind of hold your nose and then take the walk, you know. Now, thankfully, they built a new penguin house and they got all the smell trapped into, you know, it's all sealed. They, they did a great job on the ceiling, you know. And, um, but the, man, it, it, it's a heavy smell, right? Heavy smell. Think about, think about cleaning up after animals for a year. Can you imagine listening to animals for all of those days? Can you imagine smelling animals for all those days? Can you imagine that? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. When I was a single pastor, a pastor in Florida, um, I rented a boat for the Blue Angels show. You know, Blue Angels, awesome. I got the singles, I got about 30 singles on a boat. I went out to the area where you know you have to get there before the, the show starts, and you can't leave until the show finishes. It's a three-hour show. It's not just the Blue Angels that all these other planes that comes in. And so it's a two, three-hour show. So we're out there, two, three hours. And at first it's fine. We're loving it. You know, the Blue Angels do the, the, the last thirty minutes of the show. You know, but half of our single couldn't make it to the last half hour of that show because the last, uh, half of them get the waves up and down. They were turning blue. There was a lot of stuff that was happening that was unearthly. <laughs> Some of them said, I got to go to the cabin. This is miserable. Can we just go back? And we couldn't leave. We were stuck out there. You know, and I, I was fine. I said, that's not my problem. I, I was out there enjoying it, you know. But uh, man, half the, half the team got sick. Sometimes in your life, sometimes in your life, Faithfulness isn't fun. Being in the middle of a storm on that ark wasn't fun. Cleaning up after the animals on that ark wasn't fun. Maybe getting sick because you're on that wave, you know, on a boat in a a wavy sea. Not fun. But at the end of the day, it had to be fulfilling. Noah probably said, yes, it stinks. Yes, it's making me sick. But the alternative would have been death for all of us. And so sometimes in life, we're doing the right thing. But instead of everyone coming together, like we think it should, like everything should happen, it stinks. It makes you sick. Sometimes you wonder if you're doing the right thing. Sometimes you're wondering, has God forgotten about me? No, I bet Noah thought that. Man, God has forgotten about me. I'm trying, I'm trying to be faithful. I'm shoveling. I'm taking care of business here, because if I don't, it, it, it ain't going away by itself. I'm just gonna be faithful one day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time. 375 days. God, are you, you up there? Hello? Genesis chapter eight, verse one. But God remembered Noah. Just when you think God has forgotten you, he hasn't. Stay faithful. He knows, he sees, he knows what's happening. Here's the fourth thing about Noah, we'll wrap this up. My time is trying to wrap this up here. Noah was motivated to worship. 
was motivated to worship. I know I got by worship, but it was motivated to worship. He obeyed God in the building of the ark. He trusted God when he entered the ark. Y'all with me? He's faithful to God while he's on the ark for 375 days. And now as he's leaving the ark, now he's motivated to worship. Now, the boat settled on a mountain in Turkey, modern-day Turkey, called Mount Ararat. And it sat there for a few days. Actually, it sat there for a little bit. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, I'm ready to go. God didn't tell him to move. So God can I go, no, no, wait. But God, I'm ready to get off this boat. I, I get it. <laughs> I know, but just wait. You know, sometimes we like to get ahead of God. Finally, God said, move, go. They open the door. And uh, Noah, the first, I know what I would have done. I think I would have hung a tree, cut the ground. You know, thank God, you know, I'm, I, I got my feet on solid ground. You know, have you ever been on a plane that was just really turbulent and you're just glad you're landing? You're glad that you're off the plane? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so here's Noah. That's what, what I would have been doing. But here's what Noah did. Look what Noah did in chapter 8. In verse number 20, Noah built an altar to the Lord. He built an altar. Then he said he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. In fact, this is the first time an altar is built in Scripture. The first time we see an altar to the Lord. He builds an altar. And when he built the altar, he was able to sacrifice a few of those animals that had been bugging him for a year. <laughs> That's not his motivation. His motivation was to say, God, thank you. I praise your name. Thank you for sparing my family. Thank you for giving mankind another chance. Thank you. In the storms, it should cause us, it should cause us to worship. But you know what we oftentimes do? We oftentimes, instead of worship, we worry. We worry. We think about me, myself, and I, and how this is going to happen, how we're going to survive this. Instead of worshiping God, you know, I heard this the other day. I was your hand out, no, it's so great. That there's a difference between there's a difference between gratitude and faithfulness and being faith, you know, having faith. There's a difference between gratitude and having faith. Gratitude is thanking God for what He's done. Faith is thanking God for what He's about to do. That's worship. God, I worship you. I worship you before the storm. God, I worship you in the storm. And I worship you after the storm. What's the takeaway? Well, it goes back to the ark as being a rescue boat for Noah and his family. 
That was God's grace. God has given us grace by giving someone better than an ark. His name is Jesus. If you're taking notes, God's grace is so much bigger than your faith. It's God's grace that can carry our weak faith. Even in the weakest part of our lives, even when we're going through a storm and we're turning blue in our face, right? When we're holding our nose, we say, God, I don't know that I can keep doing this another day, but I'm going to keep working it. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep obeying. I'm going to worship all I'm through, but God, it's hard. My faith is weak. Understand that God's grace can carry you. And it's so much bigger than me. You have a Savior, Jesus, who loves you, who died for you, who wants to kill you. In fact, he paid it all on a wooden cross. He hung there and died for you and for me. They put him in a borrowed tomb because he was only going to borrow it for three days. And he rose again so that you and I can be saved. Salvation. Some of you here today, you don't know Jesus. One way in. One way in. And that through his sacrifice and asking him to come into your life and what he did on that cross to forgive you of your sins. For some of you, that's your next step. Your next step today is to say, God, I want in. And the door is open. The door is open today. And say, God, says, God, when would the door be shut? But the door is shut when you pass from this life to the next. That door is open until the last breath of your life. But don't wait. Don't wait. For some of you here, you're a Christian. You're on the boat. You're, you have a relationship with Christ, but oh, your faith has become weak. Maybe you saw some things in a recent storm and said, oh man, God, I, I did not trust you like I should. I did not obey. I did not, I was not faithful. I took my eyes off of you and put my eyes on me and didn't worship you. God wants to grow you through the storms. When we begin to see storms as an opportunity and not as an enemy, then allow God to do something in your life. I promise you, to hold on, to hold on, because that's when the Holy Spirit begins to take over, begin to do a new work in your life. Some of you right now, you're in a waiting season. You say, I don't know what's going on. I, I'm waiting on God. I'm in a seven-day waiting period. Just hold on. Stay faithful. Trust God. Obey Him. And keep on worshiping. God's not finished. He's not done.
God, we thank you for today. God, I don't know how this message might be translated to our heart today. Maybe there's someone here today that needs a relationship with you, who needs to be sheltered in, a, in something that's better than an ark, something that will last for all eternity. And that is our relationship in your son, Jesus. God, maybe there's some of us here, we are in the ark of Jesus. We are saved by grace. Our faith has been weak. Our walk has been weak. We don't trust like we should. We don't obey like we should. God, we don't, we don't, we're not faithful. We're not the tech, we're not being faithful in the little things, nor the big things. We're not being faithful. We're, 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 we're not worshiping. We should come to church on Sunday. We check off our boxes. And then we go six days before we come back again and have, a, have another connection with you. God, I pray, God, I pray that on our hearts that we will build our lives on a firm foundation in you. And it's not just a Sunday deal. It's a Monday to Saturday. A total pursuit, a pursuing relationship with you. So God, I pray you help us. Work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. It was a good message today, wasn't it? You know, I, this is one of those series where if you are in a storm right now, I hope you hear one thing is that you are uh, not alone, that the Lord is close to you and that he has deep truths to reveal to you about himself, maybe more than the uh, steadiness of how your life might be because the stories are not about the storms themselves. They're about the God who helps you to be steadfast and endure through it. It's the stories about the one who said, peace, be still, not the one who said, Lord, are you good? So for, for us, we want you to know that we're in community with you. We wanna do that. Uh, we've got some folks who are gonna come up and they're gonna be here to pray for you and with you. And we are so honored to be able to do that for you. But there are a few things that I wanna let you know about that are coming up. One is that every year we try to feed as many families as possible. And this year, uh, we're, we're really praying and believing for more than a thousand families are gonna get full Thanksgiving dinners where we provide the turkey. Have you seen that turkeys are more expensive? Everybody wants to hunt the turkeys on this church property. Those are my boys, don't touch, okay? But there are two great opportunities in three different locations. And just choose a location. A lot of uh, folks from Lake Point are going to the Harrison Township one, but that one's being filled up really well. Um, there's one in Warren, another in Detroit. Uh, check out your connection card. You can find out more opportunities to uh, be a part of either being at the packing party, which is on November 18th. Uh, there's gonna be pizza there, so it's a party. That's how pizza works in my life, is festivities. Um, but literally, it's just us preparing the meals so that as people um, that we're going to be able to feed, we do everything curbside. They pull up, we pray for them, and we give them meals, we load it into their trunk for them, and uh, they just get served and loved on well. So you can be a part of that, or you can be a part of the Thanksgiving distribution. Three locations, all the same dates. Uh, many hands make light work. That's absolutely true in this case. 
and it's an awesome thing for you to uh, to be a part of. And I, I'm telling you, it's it's a game changer in your life. Now, Pastor Scott talked about this at the beginning. Here's the deal: uh, is I, we're trying to be as nice as possible about this. You know, our church is growing, and it is growing so much so quickly that we need to find a way to make room in this service. Now, today's okay, but you can see that we still put out chairs, extra chairs in the back. We need 30 of you, 30 individual people to prayerfully consider coming to an earlier service. So what we did is you're gonna be making a choice anyways. You're gonna be making a service time change because the new times are gonna be 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. I will just be really, really honest with you. I hate waking up any earlier in the morning that I am being required to, especially because there are these people in my house that require all of the surfaces in their faces of being wiped. I have children, oh my gosh. And like to get these kids ready and to find shoes is just, I don't understand. Now I get out of it frequently where I get to come here early on Sunday mornings, but I'm a part of the school system and it is bananas. So I feel for you, and I know that there are naps and all kinds of things to consider, but here's a little hack that I want to give you. The week after we start this is the week after daylight savings, okay? So what I'm saying is it's only coming to church like a half an hour earlier, depending on how you look at it. If 30 people make that move, when people come and they visit here and they try to find a seat, now there are seats up here. Do you want to go to a new church? and just be like, let me sit in the front row so that all of the Christians can look at me. No, there's no way that you want to do that. So what we're truly asking for is two things. Is one, will you be willing for 30 of you to make the switch to that 930 service? You would be making room for somebody else to come and hear the gospel. Or if you're going to continue coming to the service, leave the end seats open and available. Scoot yourself in and sit in the middle. Or if you're willing to come a little bit further forward, it would be a blessing this crazy, the kind of stuff we need to talk about? I mean, we're growing so much, I'm literally asking for you to come into church a half an hour early or to maybe like scoot your butt in a little bit more. I mean, come on, this is amazing. We're loving the season that we're in. Would you stand with us today? That kicks off November 13th. I truly just ask, would you just stop and take a moment to pray and just say, hey God, should that be me? Should I be one of those folks that comes a little bit earlier? Nobody wants to get up earlier except for those wild people at the 9 a.m. service. I can't wait for you to meet them. So, <laughs> and I promise you, one, I guess I can give you one other thing. Do you, have you ever thought the pastor went a little long? He can't at the 9.30 service because we have to make room in the parking. So I'm just saying, although I really pushed it to the limit the last time I got to preach, I really kept that service way too long. Pray about it. We would love for you to be a part of it, especially as we move into the holidays because November, we always see more folks coming in because they're starting to realize I'm living life a certain way, but I think I might need a savior. And we wanna make room for them. Let me pray for you today. Jesus, we love you. We trust you. We wanna make much of you for you are worthy of all praise, honor, trust, and obedience. You are so good and it's in your name we pray. Amen. You are loved. We'll see you next week. If you visited today, we have a free gift we'd love to give you at the Blue Wall. Take care.